I'm not a preacher, and I'm not drunk. I'm just a politician. Everybody, come out of your houses. Clarence Hillian is going to make you a super human being. Wow, a lot of technical difficulties uh, because we're each buried under seven feet of concrete and steel in our bunkers. From the Midwest, I'm Mike McPadden, author of Teen Movie Hell and Heavy Metal Movies. Joining me from his West Coast compound. From Hollyweird, Aaron Lee. <laughs> oh, highly weird. Land of fruits, nuts, and flakes. That's right. A man who is all three. That's right. Ah. Uh, so we uh, we were we took last week off uh, because uh, frankly I lost track of time. I don't know what kind of dimension we're in anymore. Uh, we continue to mourn for Joel M. Reed. We want to thank. Uh, I almost just called him Joel M. Wagner, <laughs> uh, Los Angeles comedy icon Joe Wagner, joining us as our first guest. And uh, we really want to thank uh, Ben Reiser from the University of Wisconsin Film Department, who does our audio. Who. Uh, Really performed some uh, Frankensteinian magic to make yeah. that show uh, consumable for human ears. Uh, Ben's going to be joining us in a week or two on the air. Uh, we're going to discuss a couple of movies close to us, uh, to me and Ben, uh, The Lords of Flatbush, and which was filmed in the neighborhood that he and I grew up in in the 70s, and Boardwalk, which was not just filmed in our neighborhood. It was filmed in Ben's house. Crazy. So he's going to tell us stories of, and it's the same director of both films. Um, so uh, here we are coming off of uh, Ryan Murphy's Hollywood. That was the inspiration for this week's show, getting us to uh, two movies that Aaron and I, I believe we both learned about from the Medford books, uh, Gable and Lombard and W.C. Fields and Me, both films from 1976, both just perfectly wonderfully horrible embodiments of the 70s nostalgia for the 1930s and for Tinseltown glam. And I think we got a very uh, 2020s version of that with Ryan Murphy's Hollywood, which, uh, did you watch it, Aaron? I watched the first two, um, which I which I enjoyed. I enjoyed the first one more than the second one. Um, you know, the, the historical inaccuracy thing in terms of the kind of fantasy part of it, doesn't bother me so much but but the historical inaccuracy in terms of it, what starts to get to me is like is design like sure. <laughs> like fa fashions being off uh where you start going right. like well that's actually a little more 50s a and my all-time pet peeve that i wish i wasn't so nerdy and obsessed about that i've told you about like fonts fonts being wrong they they shot it on the Paramount lot and keeping some of the stage 22 uh, uh, type up there that is modern, that is not 40s. Like that stuff yeah. makes me crazy. I really wish it didn't, and but it hit. It's like it's like a bad note hitting my ear. It just clanks. I understand. And it's one of those things that we've also talked about. They, they, they never get they always screw up a font like that. Yeah. Um, and but it's like magazine covers and movies. Yes. And we can make a perfect like People magazine cover. They always look like you know the crap a lot laxative from Dumb and Dumber. Yes, 
Right. Like someone at the last minute got some press on letters and, and, and did it. And yeah. and <laughs> right, with an exacto knife and scotch tape like there was zine publishers. And, yeah. and not to jump right into our movies, but but the one thing I will say about both the movies we watched here, the the production design is fucking incredible. It's amazing. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. And, and it does make you think like, OK, they were I don't know, were they closer to it in the 70s or were they just, you know, maybe they cared more. I, I'm not sure. But I. Yeah, I enjoyed the I enjoyed the Ryan Murphy Hollywood stuff. Um, uh, like I said, I, I like the the first one better. I'm I'm I gotta keep going with it though. Of course, I gotta keep. And and I really want to know is he paying Karina Longworth royalties for that? Because well, more important than that, is he paying Scott the estate of Scotty Bowers loyal royalties? No, I guarantee you not. I, I mean, I remember you, you know I re like I really enjoyed Feud. His Betty Davis Joan Crawford. That, I would say that was, you know, I mean, well, OJ is his finest hour. That's amazing. Say, the feud was great. That's amazing. But but I know, you know, we know in both of those cases, they not only played fast and loose with the facts, but also <laughs> in terms of you saying, is Scotty Bowers getting anything? No, I, I guarantee you, guarantee you not. <clears throat> uh, that's like just cruel to not pay his wife something. I mean, the, it, so Scotty Bowers was a guy that... Uh, Recently died uh, is the author of an incredible book called Full Service, and a, a, a documentary that's just as good. Yeah, uh, which I think is also called Full Service: Scotty Bowers and the Secret History of Hollywood. I believe that's the title off the top of my head. Um, who alleged to have run this gas station in Hollywood and hooked up all the classic, you know, the icons of your, uh, you know, of the '30s and '40s with sexual partners said it was never paid it was just a, he was a good time guy and he kept living this kind of crazy good time lifestyle until he died recently in his 90s in his a very spry 90s still working as a bartender for a catering company up to when he died but uh so to not pay scotty bowers for the show that is launched in a uh, sexual hotbed of a <laughs> hollywood gas station uh it's just it, <clears throat> It's wrong. I'm well, going to come out. This is. I'm going to take one stand here. It's wrong. And I, I don't know about you, but the the thing about the when I watch it, and like I said, I, I can't judge the whole series, but just watching these episodes, I got kind of a neither fish nor fowl feeling of like, okay, we're just kind of using, it almost felt like a late night cable show, like a Red Shoe Diaries for the amount of sex and just using it as springboards for sex scenes. And Well, yeah, now that you can do that on um, Netflix. Right. Yeah. And so in that first episode, it was like, yeah, okay, the sex scenes, this makes sense. They're coming out of the situation. You pick the setting. Where, and But then by the second one, when we're getting into the anime Wong stuff, I was like, no, we don't. It, now, it, like I said, now it is feeling kind of late night cable silly to me that we're hitting it this much. Right. It like Really, it's like if it had been like we're really going to go into the sexual underbelly of Hollywood like the Scotty Bowers thing like that right. i i would have i'd i'd rather have the relentless focus on that but but we'll see we'll i'll totally to, can't stop can't not watch the rest of an old-time hollywood <laughs> sex-filled you know ryan murphy show no no but i just as an aside i just thought of how i discovered scotty bowers this was really funny uh it was i believe i was i was like toward the end of writing heavy metal movies and I was at work. I worked at Mr. Skin and, and Jim McBride, Mr. Skin himself, like called me into his office. He's like, come here, I got to talk to you. I was like, okay. And he go, and he had this book full service. He's like, 
you have to read this book. You're not going to believe this. He goes, Charles Lawton. And I said, don't say anything else. He gave me a basic description of what the book was. I said, I have to finish writing my book and I'm going to celebrate with full service by Scotty Bowers. And I I mean, it was in my bathroom for five years. It was, uh, it's phenomenal. So, uh, you know, I think I found him uh, just to quickly say, I think I remember finding Scotty Bowers because of uh, looking up stuff about Skip E. Lowe, who was who oh, yeah. was a very uh, Scotty kind book. of figure, yeah. yeah. Who and a fig- yeah. a guy who I encountered in my old like doing stand up comedy at the Comedy Store days, and right. Skip E. Lowe was the inspiration for the Jiminy Glick character that Martin Short does. Right, and uh, well, we should say he was on Los Angeles Public Access cable television forever. Totally, and and, uh, and a, a fascinating who who had written a book. There's a good Skippy Lowe autobiography that that yeah, has some yeah, similarities, yeah, 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 to Scotty's and uh, and and found and Scotty is like the hardcore. Skippy yeah. Lowe is the R-rated version, and and Scotty is yeah. the 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 real deal. Yeah, yeah, Scotty <laughs> Scotty busts it out. Yeah. So, um, okay, so so two old time and I want to say we I know we announced we were going to do Guyana Cult of the Damned and Amin the Rise and Fall uh, I watched Guyana Cult of the Damned it was so deadly boring and I had seen both of these movies before and then Amin was just kind of like okay like not interesting enough it was just like a low budget okay movie um, thank you for sparing so me Mike on that. Th- yeah. thank you for not also, putting me through it like, I felt like we had a whole unique angle. We were going to do like Trump as Jim Jones, but like everybody, since yeah. the bleach thing, yeah, no. everybody's caught on. <laughs> yeah, they, they figured it out. They beat us to it. If we had if we had just come out like right when that, oh. that if we had struck. Can you imagine? We, Kool-Aid was poisonous. Oh, we'd be, <laughs> yeah, we'd be prophets now. God. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. well. Oh well. So uh, okay, so let's go to these two old time movies and uh, now now what's so, our so, rating system? What, what okay. your thumbs up, thumbs down? I have my I shit have, joke version. Go ahead. I have three. Oh okay so, okay uh, <laughs> okay. Hollywood or Holly Woof? Like Good. these are dogs. Okay. Hollywood or Holly Whiff? <laughs> like they stink. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, but here's the best one. And this is a direct tribute to the film Gable and Lombard. Cock sock or cock suck? Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's really, think, that's great. <laughs> <I don't think laughs> okay, that's I have four, and they're all shit jokes. Whoa, all right. Tinsel Town or Tinsel Brown? <laughs> La La Land or Caca Man? Showbiz. All right. Okay, Wait, hold on. It. No, no, no. Hold on. <clears throat> Showbiz or shitbiz. And my and my favorite, that's entertainment or that's entertaint shit. <laughs> but Okay. But I gotta okay. say, I gotta say, just in a just in a fun Siskel and Ebert way, I like Hollywood or Holly Wolf. Just as a, a the dog okay. of the week, yeah, let's you do know, that. I, that is, and I, we can call the episode. We can call it Holly Hooray for Hollywood. There you too. go. There you go. Okay, great. But I want to really, really <laughs> congratulate you on La La Land or Caca. All right, let's get into this. So, uh, Gable and Lombard, uh, 1976, Sidney J. Fury, director. Um, this was not a guy I had thought a lot about in my life. Yeah. I'm familiar with him, familiar with his 
films, but not uh, not as familiar as I had known. Uh, what I don't, you know, I, it was it was funny because on the very glowing Wikipedia page, this is one of the three great Sydney directors of the late twentieth century, along with Lumet and Pollock. But it's like Lumet and Pollock did not take the weird turns that Sidney J. Fury took in his career. You know, it's so funny. I love that kind of trio. Yeah, like, that's making me yeah. think of the Italian Sergios, Sergio Carbucci, Leone, and Salima. And 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 Fury yeah. is this... What about Martino? Martino, there you go. Yeah, and, and yeah, I, I was going to say, uh, Fury is the Salima of those three, the, the lesser known, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, just yeah. great. So, uh, you know, he's from Canada, started out in, in making movies and, you know, established himself in England with Dr. Blood's Coffin and uh, the Cliff Richard musical The Young Ones from 1961, which is where the theme from the TV show comes from. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, the young ones, sure. that's here for the young ones. So, uh, broke through in 1964 uh, with uh, two movies, the gritty youth drama The Leather Boys, which I've never seen, and uh, the Michael Caine spy movie The Ipcris File, which I love. Yeah. Have you ever seen that? That's yeah. A, that's a and, great movie. Yeah. yeah. And apparently, uh, next, speaking of Italian cinema, apparently I was reading online, like, this massive hit in Italy and very influential on all the Italian directors oh, in that period. sure. Yeah. Then you think of all those, like, spy movies yeah. they put out. Yeah, yeah. That's an interesting point, yeah. Next five, all interesting. Uh, the Appaloosa, which is a Western with Brando, The Naked Runner, detective movie with Sinatra, The Lawyer with Paul Newman, uh, Little Fo and then Little Foss and Big Halsey, which is a movie I've never seen with Robert Redford and Michael J. Pollard. Uh, who we, and we, uh, we lost Michael J. Pollard not that long ago. And I got to tell you, he always gave me the creeps. Oh, man. God, yeah. <laughs> and I know that's like, what you know, I know that's sort of his function in the right. world, but... Uh, yeah, he's he's like the less he's like the less sexy Clint Howard. I was gonna say, yeah, Clint Howard. You root for him. You're like, oh, all right, there's Clint Howard. Michael J. Pollard was always like, oh, he's yeah, he's, yeah. I mean, that was his, yeah, that was his appeal. Like, who who is this creep? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's great. And there's that incredible Esquire cover, the beautiful people. You ever see that? It's Arlo Guthrie, Tiny Tim, and Michael J. Pollard. God, that's great. No, I love that with their hair wet, that like the height of you know their crazy giant. Sure, that's great. Um. Fury passed on directing The Godfather, uh, and in the early seventies, he uh, the studio, big studios, wanted to respond to black exploitation, so he did uh, Lady Sings the Blues with uh, Diana Ross, a highly acclaimed movie, and then hit with Billy D. Williams and Richard Pryor, a movie I'd never even heard of, by the way, until looking this stuff up. Now I got to see that. That sounds amazing. Yeah, I know. I, I had the same experience. I was sort of vaguely familiar with it. I usually just saw it lumped in with black exploitation titles, along with Hitman, which is the remake of uh, Get Carter. Um, but that was it. Was developed. They said as a Steve, Steve McQueen vehicle, and then they took over with much of the cast and crew of. Lady Sings the Blues, Richard, including Billy D and Richard Pryor. There's yeah. so many Richard Pryor movies I haven't seen, but that that he just made that blizzard of kind of early '70s stuff that you like that like hit and that that just that yeah. you just kind of forget about. Like God, yeah, Adios Amigo, yeah, um, a big yeah. It's a, and then you know what's the the uh, some call it loving the Radley Metzger movies in that God, that's uh, crazy. is that Radley Metzger? I don't. It's, I think so. Yeah, I remember the title. I can't remember. Yeah, that's a really weird, cool movie. Um, Sheila Levine is dead and living in New York with Jeannie Berlin. That was a movie that played in New York a lot, for obvious reasons, because uh, she was there. 
Uh, and then we get to Gable and Lombard and Sidney J. Fury's career, and it's a, it's a major dividing line. Um, he, he went weird after this. Uh, next was The Boys and Company C from 1978, which is a Vietnam movie. I've never seen it. Have you? No, and didn't didn't know all the Full Metal Jacket connections until uh, looking so this what, up. So what are they? Because well, I, I, I've heard tell. The, the, so, the, what I read online was the the some some plot similarities and a similar you know kind of sardonic uh, black comedy nihilistic look at war, but the main one right. being Arlie Ermy casting Arlie right, Ermy right. as the His drill debut, sergeant. Yeah. yeah, yes, and and right. supposedly Kubrick was a fan of the movie. Wow, I mean, they sold it as uh, it looked like just a comedy, like a right. straight up like military comedy, which is weird in 1978 for a Vietnam War movie. Yeah, right. Uh, and this here's a Wikipedia detail I love. Again, the Sydney Fury Wikipedia pages, either written by a family member or someone who is very protective of Sydney's uh, reputation. Uh, I it says the Boys and Company C was the first part of Fury's. Vietnam War motion picture trilogy. Oh, yeah. The other two are direct video action movies. <laughs> this part. Um, Under Heavy Fire, 2001, with Casper Van Dien. Sure. And The Veteran, 2006, with Michael Ironside. Yes, the trilogy. So then you get to 1980, Fury walked off two m- movies in production. And they're both amazing movies. Uh, Night of the Juggler. Which we have to we have to watch that we got to pair that I'm thinking with uh, Shakedown the uh, Sam Elliott Peter Weller movie. Okay, have you ever seen Night I, of the Jungle? I never have. It's 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 also oh. James Brolin, right? And that's Jay, reunited with James Brolin. James Brolin apparently broke his foot on the set, and they wanted to shoot in a with him in a cast. And Fury I said, "Like we're not doing it." Okay. Um, and then the jazz singer with Neil Diamond. Yeah. Uh, who was replaced by Richard uh, Richard Fleischer, who has another weird career trajectory we could do a whole show on. Mm-hmm. So after that, you get Fury doing The Entity, The Entity from 81, which, you know, I, I liked because of the naked parts. Uh, I occasionally see people, you know, people now on any horror movie is the greatest film ever made. Well, and um, and you must have seen looking up this stuff who who agreed with that statement. Uh, Martin Scorsese. Martin, yeah, Num- yeah. I think he said it was the number four on his list of the greatest horror movies of all time. So that one blew his mind. Apparently, yeah. I mean, that was Marty's Coke uh, era. I yeah, think. <laughs> that was clear. Sure. Um, but you know, as a result, you know, it was, it was Marty Scorsese's uh, list. Can you imagine Marty coked up, coming out of that movie, terrified, <laughs> talking to my talking a thousand miles an hour? I've never seen anything like it. Barbara Hershey, I was, I was, I was on the edge of my seat. I was terrified. It was like, God, I, I wish I could have gone to horror movies with a coked up Martin Scorsese. Jesus Christ. In 40 seconds. It's so Street. true. Would have been so great. But do, did you ever see that 1982 clip of him on Letterman out of his mind on coke? Oh, I don't know. I don't think okay, so. Okay, this was the first time I ever saw him, and I was like, Martin Scorsese's insane? <laughs> yeah, right. You know, I was 13. I didn't know what the hell was happening. No. But I couldn't believe it because he goes, I'm a big fan of David Cronenberg. He makes horror pictures. <laughs> and I was like, did he just, what? I mean, I, you know. Yeah. That was truly like those early Lettermans where they had like Brother Theodore, oh. like street lunatics from New York on. Where so good. It really was like, uh, okay, the uh, <laughs> the fourth dimension portal has opened up for me here. Yep. Uh, right at the right time. Um, Purple Hearts, a Vietnam War romance with Ken Wall and Cheryl Ladd. 
I don't know why that didn't make the trilogy, but uh, it didn't. Ken Wall will come up again in a bit. Iron Eagle, uh, which he which he also wrote. Uh, I've never seen. I've never made it through. Like no, Top me Gun, neither. I've never made it through. Yeah. Superman Four: The Quest for Peace. Saw that in the theater also, with my all right. How, my how was Aunt it? How Mary Ellen. I, I, you know, <laughs> I, uh, I like. You know, I liked the Superman movies a lot. I mean, I was obsessed with the yeah. first two as a kid that sure. went to a premiere for the third one, which was very exciting. But but even then was like, this feels a little shaky. And then part four, I, it was jaw dropping. Like even at that age, like this is this is not a professionally made film. Like what <laughs> what happened? Even on the commercial, oh my when they god, flying, he would be like changing colors and stuff. Oh, the effects were so bad; it was just shocking. Yeah, so no, it was it was noticeably awful at the time. Yeah. So uh, then we get 1988 Iron Eagle two, which I've not seen a single second of. No. Nope. Um, then so Ken Wall returns for the taking of Beverly Hills in 1991, which uh, Fury also wrote. So. When that came out, you know, I didn't really have an interest to see it, but then there were all these news articles that it was the lowest grossing film of all time. Wow. Like immediately, just like the biggest bomb. So it ended up, I looked it up, it ended up this was now this was a this was a pretty big release. Nine hundred and thirty nine thousand dollars total against a budget of nineteen million. Wow. I now I think that record has been beaten by now oh, yeah. by a, a yeah. movie I saw in the theaters, The Oogie Loves. Yeah, which we have to do. Yeah, we have to do it saw it with my kids song. in the theater. Yeah, and what'd your kids think? You know, uh, they were both essentially basically toddlers at the time, and they right. were so they were pretty yeah. into it. Yeah, they were pretty into yeah, it. Of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, the catchphrase from the m- movie, uh, one of them, uh, I think it was Oogie Oogie Oogie, pull your pants up, was. Uh, <laughs> Was used in our house quite a bit. Pull up your pants. No, it's a oogie, oogie, oogie. Pull up your pants. That was it. That was, well, it's gonna, yeah. it's gonna be used in this house now quite <laughs> yep. a bit forever. Yeah. So, but anyway, so I wanted to go see the taking of Beverly Hills once, like the box office numbers came out. So I went to Forty Second Street and like it was gone. Like I went like five days after it opened uh. and like Forty Second Street, they never got rid of anything. Sure. Yeah. But then it came back. Like the next week, like it was gone for a while, and then it came back a week or two later on the bottom half of a double bill, and I saw it, but I was so drunk I don't remember it. So sorry, everybody. <laughs> uh, Ladybugs with Rodney Dangerfield. Rodney will also come up again. Oh, right now. Um, he did, so then from there, Sidney J. Fury. He did a TV and director video movies until My Five Wives in two thousand. Uh, which was the last theatrical movie for both Sidney J. Fury and Rodney Dangerfield. And apparently Rodney did not like directors and always fought with them in the set, but Sidney Fury got his appro- seal of approval, apparently. He liked Fury. That's yeah. why he used him again. All right. I remember Ladybugs being a hit with kids. Yeah, yeah. The kids in my family all seemed to like yeah. it a lot. Yeah, yeah big video JK store movie. was in that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, all right, we are talking about um, Gable and Lombard. Do we want to talk about writer Barry Sandler? Yeah, he is. Not to be confused with Sergeant Barry Sadler, the uh, vocalist of the Ballad of the Green Berets. <laughs> yeah, he uh, like which I, I was excited when I looked him up. Saw he did the wrote the Mirror Cracked, which you and I liked so much. Absolutely, a great script. Yeah. And and I was surprised that his uncredited. Uh, 
he was apparently uncredited for his work on two movies we also have mentioned on here other side of midnight and right. evil under the sun one of those Poirot yeah. movies so yeah yeah that guy got around but i mean i was like yeah i was like man i mean kansas city bomber i love duchess in the dirt water fox i saw as a kid and i liked it a lot crimes of passion how many times did you see Important that film saw that oh, a thousand please. times <laughs> Yeah, please. Uh, with the great answer. That was a Perkins. film of, of injuring yourself, yeah. Making Love, uh, which we've talked about. Well, yeah, and then Making Love will come up again later. Um, but I was going to say for Pride Month, uh, we have to do Out of the Closet 82. Let's do Partners oh, that's and great. Making Love. Yes, yeah, that's awesome. Did you, did you read the little anecdote about how Sandler got his start in Hollywood? No, lay it on me. The, the, the legend is showed up at Raquel Welch's doorstep. No credits on them, bangs on the door, she opens it, he's got the screenplay in his hand that he hands her, which became Kansas City Bomber. So this, so this guy must right. have been quite a charmer to show up yeah, at the clearly. show up at Raquel Welch's door and uh <laughs> <laughs> And uh from what I understand, Raquel did, does not suffer fools gladly. And he was no fool, he had a great script. Yeah, I'd like to think I know nothing about Barry Sand. I like I couldn't find an interview with him. I'd like oh, I, I got a long interview with did him. Did you really? I, send it to I would love that because yeah. in my mind, in my mind, he's a fun, flamboyant gay man. It, just going Which off of he, is. he yeah. is okay. Just going off of making love and the mirror cracked and the other side of midnight screenplays. Yeah. But but I, that in my mind, it, he was just such a fun, lovable, you know, burst of paul lind hilarity when she opened the door that it's like how can i not do this script you know that, that's yeah. how i i mean you're right i mean that that filmography is nothing but bright spots yeah in there, so yeah okay so gable and lombard so let's talk so 30s hollywood 40s hollywood when we were children in the 70s it was everywhere the humphrey bogart uh wc fields clark gable um, these images were everywhere. People just talked about them. That's what the movies were. Yeah. The way bullshit like, you know, fucking Goonies and, uh, you know, Indiana Jones is now. The movies were the classic great films of the studio system. So, and, and with this incredible nostalgia came, you know, projects like this. And then uh, they were, I remember like, uh, there were, uh, like miniseries and stuff but then other movies and i posted a bunch of posters online last night like you know nickelodeon the bogdanovich movie and uh valentino the ken russell biography and so it really it, it's something that is lost i don't think do, do kids know i mean they don't know like humphrey bogart or groucho or anything like that no i don't do think they? so no i don't think they do no and, and I mean, it, it is interesting, though, to look back like, you you know, we started talking about Ryan Murphy's Hollywood, which is like, right. you know, which is a very 2020 project of right. let's look back at old Hollywood through the prism of identity politics and do the Hamilton right. thing of reshaping it to current, you know, right. identity politics. Right. But but like I was thinking about this, like 70s looking back, it's interesting, like if you really think about like the 40s was this time of horror <laughs> that it oh, yeah. is probably only comparable to some of the stuff we're going through now in terms of mass death and and well the 30s was the depression right and that's what all the fred astaire movies were from yeah so so like it's so part of me it's interesting thing like okay was the 70s 
And there's things we'll, we can talk about in both of these movies. Like you can see, okay, here's the seventies valleys that were put on, but part of me can't help but wonder if part of the nostalgia project here was to look back and remove the horror for the most part. Like, I would say absolutely, because I think the movies themselves did that. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then you you have in the smack in the middle of the decade of like, you know, uh, the you know, uh, Sidney Lumet films and, and just, you know, ugly, dirty, like gritty reality coming out of Hollywood. You know, it's like, oh, no, no, let's let's take a look back and let us, uh, you know, sanitize reality again for you the way hollywood used to sanitize reality for your parents right i guess so yeah, yeah right with without yeah. a, without it and i guess you had stuff like at long last love like you're talking about this point like like without yeah. a without a lot of irony and without a lot of uh of all oh, right uh, yeah, yeah yeah commentary yeah. in that way yeah no no until you get to like movie movie would be the first one that had quotes around it right i would say yeah, and then you know harder stuff like you know Kentucky Fried Movie where they would do, or the uh, you know Nick Danger Private Eye from the Fireside Theater and things like that. But uh, but when did it get critical? Mainstream. Like when when did it get like okay now we're gonna critique? Like I'm thinking of movies. I guess like I was that like 80s. I'm thinking like Pennies from he- Pennies from Heaven with Steve Martin. That's 82. Yeah, like, I would say that would be yeah. And then that started, of course, as the TV uh, miniseries in England, right? Um, which is the Dennis Potter series, yeah. Which is like a very these movies were never critical like this was escapist and that's wrong i guess is that about when right. that maybe that's when that starts. i would say that yeah i would say the 80s when yeah. after that studio system um stopped making the auteur films and you know then just switched gears i, I it's interesting that you say that 82 is a big year that kind of was like okay now now we just make shit <laughs> yeah and, and indiana jones are here now we just make children's films and we infantilize america forever i guess and we had you know the great infantilizing president at that time too sure and and i guess scorsese's new york new york is kind of a turn in that direction oh, like absolutely it, yeah it's, that's a good point yeah it yeah. starts to turn it that way and when was that 77 i think so that sounds about right yeah yeah, yeah. no i would i would say that was the first yeah i would say though no, you nailed it there yeah um so, uh, going into this, Sidney J. Fury announced to the press, I feel I was born to make this movie. I feel he was, too. <laughs> uh, Gable role was initially offered to Burt Reynolds, who passed, because he was uh, too busy getting bogged down with uh, Bogdanovich with At Long Last Love and Nickelodeon. You know, that's too bad. Um, that would have been fun. I would have I enjoyed that. Oh, I would have liked seeing Burt. I mean, he would have been so zippy and funny. Yeah. And- it would have been just a completely. It would have been enjoyable on a whole different level. Um, I've never seen Nickelodeon. I have seen it. Long Last Love twice. Yeah. Have you seen Nickelodeon? I don't think I ever have. As I recall, the day it opened, I mean, like kids were saying this. It only cost a nickel to get in. Oh, that's but, fun. Uh, that's true. It's still the movie bombed. Well, that Maybe that's why. That. That's why they lost all their money. <laughs> Clearly, everybody went to see it for a nickel, and then no one went to see it. <laughs> Can't do that. So, uh, <laughs> Steve McQueen and Ali McGraw passed. Warren Beatty agreed to do it, but he said he had to rewrite the script and he wanted to change Clark Gable's name to something fictitious. Sure. Okay. So, <laughs> so uh, he didn't get the gig. So they, they land on, uh, and this is completely hilarious. I hope this is true. Uh, Sidney J. Fury was watching the Sonny Bono Comedy Hour. 
and he saw James Brolin as a guest in in the sketches, and he was like, "There he is! We found our Gable, uh, the new king of Hollywood." How did he not go to Bono? How did he not? There he is, Sonny Bono. We found our Gable. Look at the mustache. How did he even notice James Brolin? Now, I mean, that's another thing. Now, imagine if it had been oh, Sonny Oh, fantastic! Oh, Jesus! There you go. That's the that's dream. a good time. Shake your finger. Play some old ragtimey right. music movie. Please, right like their movie. Good. Yes. Directed by William Friedkin. Yes. Oh, that would have been fun. So Brolin at the time, he was hunky young Dr. Kylie on Marcus Welby, MD, which was a show I used to watch a lot as a kid in the middle of the night. Um, I never slept as a child. I would stay up to watch movies overnight. And like Channel 9 had a uh, 3 a.m. horror movie that they would show almost every night. And uh, but NBC at 2 a.m. would show Marcus Welby. That would often get me to the uh, 3 a.m. <laughs> and Oof. I remember once looking in the TV guide, and uh, the description just said, "Dr. Kylie James Brolin has a heart attack." And I was like, "Oh my God! I gotta find out what." Oh, no, <laughs> I was nine. It was the summer I was nine years old. He made it. He oh, made thank it. God. He, he lived. He lived another day. Yeah. Thank God. So they cast uh, Brolin. Fury tells the press he is Gable. He doesn't imitate him, but when he sends a, finds himself saying line, I say, God, that's the way Gable would have said it. <laughs> sure. Just like any cheesy, rich little Vegas impersonation, just walking <laughs> around going, hey, I'm Clark Gable. My God. Which he does the whole movie. It's, it's just like, here I am, hilarious. Clark Gable. Uh, being Clark Gable. <laughs> so then uh, Valerie Perrine was up for the part of Lombard, but do you know what movie she did instead? I'm assuming W.C. Fields and me. W.C. Fields and yeah. me. Wow. <laughs> God. What's interesting, yeah, so we'll, we'll get to her in a minute. Um, and then Jill Clayburgh had kind of been bouncing around, um, was getting a reputation as a, a good actress from like TV work and some smaller movies. Then 1976, she was in the uh, very popular TV movie Griffin and Phoenix, which is a... A real bummer. Have you ever seen that movie? No. It's extremely well done no, with never. Peter Falk. They play um, terminally ill patients who meet and fall in love, but don't reveal to one another that they're sick. I'd love to see that. Yeah. Peter Falk and Jill Clayburgh. That's that's yeah. It's a really yeah. good movie. It's it's yeah. I mean, I would say don't watch it during the pandemic. Let's wait. Okay. Till All right. <laughs> someday this is over. It has one of the saddest parting shots. I guess I'll just spoil it. So, you know, they they die at the end, obviously, and they just show at some point um, Peter Falk had climbed up on, like, this water tower. They were just doing it, and he uh, painted, he, had, he, with, he graffitied Griffin Loves Phoenix. And the last shot is just a guy, like a worker, just casually painting over the Griffin Loves Aww. Phoenix. Yeah, it's a major Boom. <laughs> <laughs> So then on the other side, on the upside of that, she was also, her breakthrough was in Silver Streak, uh, directed by Arthur Hiller, who the same year made what movie? W.C. Fields and me. God, they How were just that, all huh? circling yeah. around each other. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, the movie itself. So we'll talk about the imitations. We were watching it, and my wife, Rachel, said, this is an episode of Fantasy Island. I was like, God, you just nailed it. Yeah. She said, Jill Clayburgh is a housewife whose fantasy is to be 
Like just, uh, you know, an over-the-top movie starlet who gets to romance Clark Gable. I was like, that is just perfect. Well, That's exactly what this movie She's is. so miscast, and, and Jill Clayburgh's great. She's, she's a great actress, and her whole thing is just, to me, her whole energy was just that kind of 70s every woman uh, uh, yes. that is just so not like Carol Lombard, no. who was just, you know, the, yes, that kind of like daffy light hollywood yeah. glamour like yeah right. it's just Cookie, she's so right. miscast you, you know yeah and it, and it's like it's, it's weird it's like because on the one hand you have brolin running around just doing like i said his cheesy gable imitation <laughs> and then I, you've got her doing an actual performance that is in right. no way carol lombard like she's playing a no, human no. being but it it conveys <laughs> sort of yeah. conveys no Carol Lombard whatsoever, which yeah, I think she's playing a a, a character type, a trope, um, which is just you know someone who is so completely obnoxious from the word go, and the obnoxiousness is meant to charm you, I guess and it so. certainly doesn't. No, and the like the worst example I can think of, and this is a deep cut. Is uh, Mariel Hemingway in the movie Creator with Peter O'Toole? Oh yeah, right. Where she's always like, "Hey, fuck you, you goddamn old teak antique," like that kind of thing, like flashing her tits, and that's that's what Carol Lombard is like in this movie. Yes, yeah, yeah. I gotta say, so Brolin, so costumes by Edith Head—they're amazing. Um, Brolin looks like Gable when you first see him. It's like, holy now, shit. Uh, again, looks like. again, and, and like I said, the 70s, you know, especially comparing it to uh, uh, Hollywood, the, to, to Ryan Murphy's Hollywood, it, 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 the whole movie looks amazing. Like I said, the production design is great. Yeah. Edith had costumes. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, we always do these movies. Uh, the one big thing that unites all the movies we talk about every week are these amazing soundtracks. Michelle Legrand yes. in this case, yeah. like, like yeah. just uh, so yeah, looks fantastic. And uh, yes, and he looks just like Gable. And uh, and the opening kind of garden party sequence, Hollywood. You know, all the the white the white suits and the old cars, and yeah, yeah it just looks great. And then and then it's yeah. and then the performances start. <laughs> he's really just going hey I'm Clark yes yeah. and you can just and, you, and unfortunately you can occasionally hear Sidney Fury behind the camera murmuring holy shit guys just like him yeah oh, god that's, he did it again he how, nailed it he nailed it that's how the king would have said yes oh boy so uh, the historical inaccuracies like start from from the word go uh, the movie opens with Gable in his uh Army Air Force uniform finding out that Carol Lombard's uh, plane has crashed. She was out selling war bonds. and But in fact, Gable only joined the Army after Lombard had died. And apparently he showed up and, uh, you know, volunteered. And, uh, com- com- you know, coming out, like a reporter talked to him, he said, I don't care if I come back. Yeah. So um, – he was bummed out. And then uh, he was also, the movie starts in 1936. He was a superstar at that point. Yeah, he, that's he, true. Like, he is so off the turnip truck. He had won an Oscar for It Happened One Night in 1934, two years earlier. And he really is. He's driving like Archie's, Archie Andrews' jalopy. 
And he's got the pipe, and he crashes, and, like, the pipe goes upside down in his mouth. And it's not funny. The big, like, no, not funny scene so like, my car funny. fell apart. And then they they carry out a gurney from an ambulance with someone's covered right. in a sheet. And Carol Lombard pops up, and she's like, ha, ah, I played a prank on you. And it's not funny. No, she says, and it's surprise, also, you dumb bastard. Yes, and it's also not funny. And, and, and that was no. that was when I hunkered down, like, ah, okay, we're in for a, we're in for a long haul. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, she calls him a stuffed shit. Uh, you know, it's the 70s, so you always have to have foul language, yes. like no matter what. So these were like big, splashy, PG-rated movies. Oh, no, I don't know. This must have been rated R. I think it was. I it definitely was. Yeah. 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 Now that I think about it, yeah. uh, the other one was PG. Yes, was uh, PG. Yeah. Um, so these are big, splashy, you know, entertainment for all. But you still always had to have somebody saying shit and son of a bitch every ten lines. Um, and then, yeah, so we then have this ridiculous romance between <laughs> two people who are not people at all. Uh, Alan Garfield as Louis B. Mayer. Now. And we just lost him he, to COVID. And he, oh, I didn't know, I didn't know it was COVID. That's yeah. heartbreaking. Recently, yeah. He was funny in this movie. And I and I loved and I loved the take on him as Louis B. Mayer. That was one thing I did think was funny his his introductory scene where he's like he shows off his award like oh, promoting the highest moral standards. And the second yeah. it's Alan Garfield, it's funny because he. I was thinking what a Jason Alexander, you know, George from Seinfeld oh, vibe perfect. he had. Yeah, yeah. it's the same yeah. vibe of like I'm completely venal but but lovable. Yeah. Like he, yeah, right. I, I really did enjoy him in this. And just hapless. Yeah, hapless. That's so true. And and recently, you know, Jason Alexander was on Gilbert Gottfried's podcast, which was amazing. Yeah, it was great. But he said the thing that was consistent about George is that he didn't have a lot of consequences. So that's why he kept going. Like he had he always had small consequences and humiliations and terrible but nothing truly terrible ever happened. And you kind of and that's an interesting thing. So he just kind of skipped through and would just take defeat after defeat after defeat. Right. Um, you, you know who really so, baffled me in this movie? I will say, just confuse the hell of me, was Red Buttons. And, and I'll tell you why. Yeah. Red Buttons was around in the 40s and yeah. and was like an old-time radio star and then early TV. An Oscar winner. Right. Red and Buttons. then in this movie, yeah. he looks like he's about... 55 <laughs> like when he like he really looks kind of relatively young so i was like well fuck yeah. how old was he how old was he in the 40s i i i ended up doing a yeah. kind of a deep dive and found a great cliff nesterhoff uh piece on his blog about red buttons about his history that was amazing but but i guess he was pretty young back then so it was weird to have a guy yeah. of that era looking young in the 70s in this movie very very confusing right. about what time it was and so, you know, there's a lot of, you know, they can't get along, but then they can't resist each other. Then finally, they're like, we can't. He's like, we can't do it, kid. Oh, he calls her Ma. He keeps calling her Ma. He's like, we can't do this, Ma. Yeah. And then there is the truly horrible Palm Springs golf sequence. Yeah, yeah. Where, <laughs> uh, you know, Lombard just being that character is like throwing her golf clubs and yelling, shit, and things like that. And. Then they can't resist each other. They jump into each other's arms, leading to, like, the amazingly unfunny, impossible sequence of where they're sneaking around to uh, be uh, lovers. 
and he dresses up as a cabbie and apparently steals a taxi cab. And she has a whole elaborate getup as a Western Union telegram boy on like a motorcycle and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. They had fun. They had fun. That Well, that was the tagline. They had, they had more than romance. They had fun. They had fun. We did not watching them, but they did. <laughs> well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I had a lot of fun with this. Oh, actually, oh, okay. I, I did. I love. I don't mean to give away um, my uh, verdict, but yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> you know what? I wa- watching this movie. I, I was super bored. I'm just gonna tell you, this was a Hollywood. Okay. This was a Hollywood for me. I was super bored. Oh, this and is a and Hollywood here, for me. Here's some of the things I started thinking. Here, here's here's a movie I would have enjoyed more. Brolin and Clayburgh about the making of this movie. Uh, that that I would enjoy. The Gene here's, Siskel idea. Here's another movie. Remember, always, he said, "Would this is this, would would a documentary of these yes. same actors eating lunch be more interesting than the movie?" Here's another movie I'd be more interested in: The Neighbors Belushi Aykroyd flip, where Clayburgh played Gable and he played Lava. I also would have preferred that. And I and I know and I know that's another Siskel and Ebert ru- ru- rule. You have to review the movie you have. But those are two yeah. those are two yeah. movies I would have enjoyed more than Gable and Lombard. Okay, but all right. So when it truly, I mean, when it becomes so stupidly ludicrous, did you not enjoy when Lombard snuck onto the set of Gone with the Wind dressed as a Confederate soldier? <laughs> well, that is that is pretty good. Just the worst, like, sub I Love Lucy shtick I have ever seen. Yeah. And then he fights back. He goes, he goes to, apparently, Carol Lombard was filming a porno film in 1939 <laughs> in a bathtub where the other, the actor is going to join her in the bubbles. Sure. And it's like, there's no movie no. from the 30s where, a, I mean, you know, none they, they there were movies like that. They were called Smokers. Yes. <laughs> this was not, they were not Hollywood productions. Yes. And she really plays it up. She's like, oh, oh wow. She, you know, to make him jealous. And then he, uh, you know, he doesn't yell fire in a crowded movie theater. He yells it on a crowded movie set so that he can say, get out of that bathtub. Uh, yeah. I'm bored. Yep. Yeah. Not funny. <laughs> not funny. <laughs> well, Sitting there frowning. <laughs> Sitting there frowning. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you you had the Gene Siskel Police Academy uh, two limp dick face. Yeah, the, the whole time. I did not. The, yeah, the whole time. I did not. I had the Roger Ebert talking about when the guys threw a smelly sock against the uh, in the locker in Police Academy two and it stuck to the wall. <laughs> How much he thought that was funny. <laughs> That's funny. Um, and this all, of course, leads to the cock sock scene. You know, which I was so that's I was so looking forward to because in the Golden Turkey Awards they had to have their little write up of Gable and Lombard and and they mentioned the cocksock and and I don't know about you but that always <laughs> stuck with me like is this real like do they show <laughs> yeah. is there a long sequence of her knitting it like you you know <laughs> of course it, like yeah it, it it was like taking acid when I read the right. phrase. Cocksock. I mean, Cocksock was synonymous with Gable and Lombard to me. To the to the point, you think it must be a major plot point because how can they just casually talk toss in that Carol Lombard gave Clark Gable a cocksock? And again, Golden Turkey Awards is not a movie with casual profanity in it at all. I mean, there might be the word shit somewhere. Right. Well, there is, of course, with Phil Tucker. 
the director yeah. of Robot Monster. <laughs> One of our all-time favorite lines. My other movies are okay, but that space jockey is a real piece of shit. Yeah. So those two curse words, they really uh, stand out. Cocksock, especially. Um, so yeah, I, I wonder what it was. Yeah, what did yeah. it look like? Did he did he put it sure, on? Right. Did he start waving it around in front of the camera? Yeah. And it turns out it's just like a sock. And it, uh, she writes a little card that says, uh, "To the king, that part of you more precious than gold, this will protect from catching cold." Yeah. And he's like, "Ah, oh, look at that, a cock sock. Oh, oh, put it on my <laughs> cock. I'm Clark Gable. Put it on Clark Gable's cock." <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Do I keep this in my sock drawer or my <laughs> cock drawer? And so then another, so uh, so Gable was married. It was a marriage of convenience, apparently. Um, so once he and Lombard started dating, they were just beloved by America. Like America didn't care that he had this old uh, marriage that had never been dissolved. And so the movie goes a completely opposite direction. Again, they have to keep sneaking around and, then they get busted, and Louis B. Mayer declares, uh, "You know, we have to, we have to put out this fire." He has this big press conference, and that's when Lombard gets all like tarted up in this red, like uh, hotsy totsy dress. She bursts into the press conference, which is meant to like quell the scandal, right? And she just starts going. I, I have, I wrote the actual dialogue. Well, there's my horny little hunk of horse meat. Where you been, angel ass? You know, you're late for your 10 o'clock screw. <sighs> Mama can't wait all day. She's got customers. Yeah. Oh, hiya, dolls. How you doing? You must be <laughs> the new shipment they sent, to keep, sent over to keep Gable happy. What do you do? 10 bucks a trick? Five would be highway robbery. You just keep that log rolling, honey, because the oven's hot and the rooster's ready to crow. He calls me rooster because of my motto. Cock-a-doodle-doo. Cock-a-doodle-doo. Any, Any cock will do. Yeah. <laughs> There's Barry Sandler. That there's that charm showed up at Raquel Welch's door. Cockadoodle-doo, Raquel. Any cockadoo. Anyways, here's the script. Any cockadoo. Yeah. So <laughs> then she runs outside, and Gable takes off after. Her. He goes, "I'm proud of you." Yeah. I'd have done it myself, but I couldn't find a red dress to fit in. Yes. And it, and it can't. And it, it really. And here's what really get. And then it all builds up to like the big courtroom, and they are they're right. going to grant him his divorce, and and Carol Lombard gets on the stand. And wins everybody over by explaining that they sleep with their butts pressed up against each other. <laughs> yeah. And that when he gets up at night, she can feel the warmth of his butt. <laughs> like, I was like, what? what's happening? Like, that this is the big triumph moment. We sleep with our asses pressed together. <laughs> and, and everybody's delighted. Oh, they love it. And, they love it. Except, you know, but there is still, the scandal is still hanging in the air. So then sure. they go to a movie premiere and everyone is just, just falls silent as they get out of the limousine. But then, but then, yeah, the slow clap, the slow clap. Yes. And, and, and then, Gable uh, and Lombard wants to, press their asses yeah. together and walk down the red carpet <laughs> <laughs> to the thunderous applause. Oh man. So, so to me, I, I, you know, I, I loved it. I mean, it's a terrible film. I had a wonderful time watching it. I, I, you know, I think there was a, I was wondering if there was just a miscalculation. Like, like I was wondering why them as a seventies couple, like, and I guess maybe cause it is a, I guess it is a very seventies moral to build up to. He got the divorce from his wife and he gets to go off with this other woman. Hooray. Like, I guess it is a seventies, but, yeah. but I was, I was thinking like, even like Bogart and Bacall or 
seems like would have worked better for I don't know. I was trying to think of like why Gable and Lombard. You know, I, oh, they were huge at the time. No, no, no. You, you, I guess that's it. I oh, guess you're not remembering it. Gone the the omnipresence of Gone. With sure. The Wind. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's it. And Lombard's movies. I mean, those were, these were the movies on television. I mean, this is this is what was on TV. Were movies from the 30s and the 40s. I, and I guess he wasn't even thinking like, here's what plays into 70s cynicism. And yes, I guess it's just like we said, it's no, just pure escapism. I remember a 1974 re-release of Gone with the Wind that had lines like Jaws to go see it at the King's Plaza Theater. You, you know, you and I always like to read the old reviews. That did you read Siskel's review? of this yes it's mine it's really fascinating it? and and he <laughs> and he's basically like the fact that he looks so much like gable i i guess it was like and i think is this right was this a, a, a an early stan winston no that was wc fields and me but but anyways yeah. his criticism is basically like well they did it they found a way to just make a new movie starring clark gable because the makeup right. is so good you know like he's right. he's basically angry the way that people were when they did the fred astaire dancing with the the yeah. vacuum cleaner commercial you know so yeah i guess the and he's like you know oh we could just tell al pacino and uh you know all these other great new actors just you know, we don't need you right we're just gonna have people dress up as the old stuff <laughs> which is funny to think if that had been the rest of movie history was it's just a, i mean it's it's pretty mind-blowing that he he like locked on to this conspiracy yeah no i couldn't help but, thinking this it, it's not that different from christian bale and vice or something like that i mean we still get it you know we still get people right. in rubber makeup yeah and, but I like he suggests uh, he goes how about Casablanca 2 with Lee Majors as Bogey and Lindsay Wagner as Ingrid Bergman fuck yes yeah, <laughs> yeah how about it? how about it Let's maybe go. there was a Casablanca like TV I think it was a series with David Soul yes that's right as Rick <laughs> yeah um, and then hit the last line he wraps up his review he says WC Fields and me with Rod Steiger's due later this year a biography of Rudolph Valentino is soon to begin production only in Hollywood. <laughs> oh, I also hated the ending of Gable and Lombard as, as Gable drives away. For, he's, he's driven away yeah. from the set and he tells, tearfully tells the Brown Derby joke that, like they end on the joke. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was so bad. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then it just it's ended. It's a callback to an earlier uh, moment, yes. Yes. Yeah. Where uh, the irrepressible Lombard is being bawdy. But yeah. but you know I will just quickly say and summing up the Lombard, you you know she is the star of you know probably might be my all time favorite movie over the years to be or not to be with Jack Benny yeah and yeah. like I said man she and I think it's just the fact that I've watched that so many times and I love her so much in it there there I did yes I did have that humorless reaction of like I don't like what you're doing to Lombard I I couldn't I couldn't help it. I just I, right. I love her so much in that movie, and she's so funny and great and amazing. Well, if you didn't like what they did to Lombard, let's talk about what they did to W.C. Oh Fields. boy, <laughs> and me. So anyway, so Hollywood for me, I really enjoyed it. It's it's very bad. It was a lot of fun. It was a great uh, quarantine night for Rachel and me here. We were having a ball. And you say Hollywood? Oh yeah, Hollywood. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I want to say in the 70s, again, W.C. Fields was omnipresent everywhere. Yeah. Uh, imitations of him, his movies, uh, pictures of him, cartoons. The poster of him He's looking over the cards, peering over, over the, the cards. Over the cards everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
people dressing up like him for Halloween or just like to freak out the kids. Yeah. <laughs> to play cards with the kids and wonder what the hell is going on. Um, and I, kids did his voice. Kids would say, get out of here, boy, you bother me. Yep. And they might not have even known like that he was in movies or anything, but like, like Mae West, these were the other kids did Mae West. Kids did Groucho. Um, so these were, you know, huge, iconic, everyday presences in our lives. And W.C. Fields was among the best. And uh, I am a huge fan of his. Um, I just, I, I think he's a genius um, up there with, you know, the all-time greats of comedy. Um, but as a kid, did you did you see his stuff as no, a kid? No, see, I didn't see his movies. I did. I saw The Dentist and loved it. The short, The Dentist. But I didn't see his longer movies until after... Uh, Cult movies came out, and I, I hunted them down. I did as a kid, and I I, saw, I definitely saw The Dentist, and the one I really remember was uh, Never Give a Sucker and Even Pray. I was always right. fascinated by the Charlie McCarthy. Uh, it's a, that's an amazing movie. I yeah, love that movie. But but I will say, as a kid, I was an honest man. I was just disturbed by him by by W. C. Fields as a kid. I did just find him disturbing and, and creepy. I, and uh, yeah, it took a like 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 as a kid up like I liked the Marx Brothers. I, I like right. like Buster Keaton, Harold Lloyd, but sure, but Fields, sure. yeah, Fields, yeah, you know, it was the it was the it was the cantankerousness. I'm I'm sure like yeah, the he lack was a, he was a rotting alcoholic who hated children and animals. Yeah. <laughs> that was his whole. You shit. know what? <laughs> I also didn't like Chaplin as a kid. Like as as a nah. kid seeing Chaplin, I was never into it either. You know, you know, and I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna go out on a like. I don't love Chaplin now. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I certainly don't go to it now. I don't. I don't watch no. those. I mean, I appreciate it. Obviously, yeah, yeah. this is one of the great geniuses, one of the inventors of the art form, and I understand why the world would fall in love with him. But yeah, I don't. I don't revisit those movies um, the way I would uh, a W. C. Fields movie, um, or let or let you know Buster Keaton certainly. Um, so. Uh, this movie was based on the 1971 memoir W.C. Fields and Me by Carlotta Monti, who was uh, Fields' mistress and his living secretary. She was in a she was a B movie actress who was in uh, his she was in Never Give a Sucker and Even Break and The Man on the Flying Trapeze, and she uh, she appears in the movie as an extra. I couldn't pick her out. No, but uh, and then, but really, you know, it was this is Rod Steiger's film. Uh, we'll get to him in a bit. Let's uh, talk about Arthur Hiller, the director. Um, he's still best known for Love Story. And I want to say, in early 70s culture, Love Story was as prominent as Jaws and Star Wars was true. to late 70s culture. Yeah, true. And, you know, love means never having to say you're sorry. The song, that, that Love Story uh, font, that... I, that uh, the way the poster looked, and it is a forgotten film now. And you know what? And and I went to a screening. I want to say maybe 10, 12 years ago. I don't know how long ago it was now. At the American Cinematheque with with my wife, right. and it rocked. It was just great. It yeah. was so entertaining and so fantastic. Yeah, it was it was really yeah. good. I watched it probably fifteen years ago, all the way through for the first time. But I mean, because it was on TV, it was always around. But I sat down and watched it, and I really liked it. But I also really came to understand the Mad Magazine parody of it. Right. Which was all about Allie McGraw. Foul-mouthed Allie McGraw, yeah. yeah. 
And uh, and I remember the John Wayne interview uh, in Playboy that got him canceled recently. Yeah. <laughs> he says, you know, people, uh, you know, they, they, re- they responded to Love Story because of the story. He goes, not to just watch a pretty girl say shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think she says it so much, there must have been some appeal in that. Though. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, we've always, you know, it's great. The like, you know, when Mad would kind of get offended over some little moral issue like that, it was always great. Yeah, it really was. They were really upset about the pretty girl saying shit in every scene, every <laughs> sentence practically. Yeah, it didn't wasn't the end? Do you remember? Wasn't the last yeah, gag? It was like she dies and heaven. he looks up in the yeah. sky and she's essentially saying shit. <laughs> like the it's up yeah, in the clouds. The like, hey, bull. You know, right? The funny, asterisk, exactly. Asterisk, dollar yes. sign. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's booming shit from the clouds. It's great. <laughs> yeah. So after Love Story, Hiller did he did two uh, popular Neil Simon movies, uh, Out of Towners and Plaza Suite, both hilarious. Yeah, especially Out of Towners. Then The Hospital from 1971, which is great. God, you man, see that? Yeah, he made so many good comedies. It's crazy. Yeah, and then a f- that was a movie I was watching once when I was like 13. And my father yelled at me for watching it. Yeah. He said, it's too upsetting. I don't want it out of my house. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. See, all right, I get it. Silver Street, The In-Laws, a masterpiece. Just the best. It's yeah. So good. Same year as The In-Laws, Nightwing. <laughs> okay. Well, let's just a stumble movie a little. I actually, this is, now I'm 11 years old. I was turning 11 when that came out. I, ref- I didn't see it. I had the chance. I was like, no, I don't want to go see a PG-rated bat scary movie. <laughs> it's going to suck. Yeah, yeah. Went to see something else. Making Love, written by Barry Sandler. Crazy. Who wrote Gable and Lombard. Crazy. Author, author, a movie I loved, still do. Uh, that had to be a cable perennial for you. Oh, that's how God, I was. was it? I I always remember the ad they would show on Showtime, the, the big clip from that movie that they would say, to say, author, author, tonight was Al Pacino going, I forgot to beat my kids. <laughs> oh, my God, I forgot to beat my kids. Like, like yes, yeah. No, I, yeah. I saw that many times on cable. <laughs> that was the regular, that was the movie TV commercial. Yeah. That was when it was in theaters, too. That was a funny... Because he's got, you know, he's a single dad with six kids, and that's like their shtick. Yeah. He's like, what did I forget to do today? <laughs> oh, beat my kids. And then they all run around. Hey, we're having a crazy time. Do you, do you just walk around your house imitating Al Pacino <laughs> like I do to entertain my kids? I I imitate Al Pacino and Bernie Sanders, and those just kill with my children. That's all they want to wow. hear me do is those two imitations. <laughs> I would, but you got cooler kids than I have. No kids. Oh uh, well, yeah, yeah. Your kids are super cool. Well, so you can you just can do cool imitations. You can just annoy your wife. Yeah, with the. Elder. Oh yeah. Well, I I do that regardless. So I'll start talking. I'll start doing it for Zelda the dog. <laughs> there you go. I'll start coming up with. Uh, well, I'll do uh, Clark Gable and W. C. Fields specifically from these movies. Yeah. Uh, rom- romantic comedy, which was it seemed like one of six shitty Dudley Moore movies that came out after Arthur. Yeah. Uh, the Lonely Guy, which I thought was funny, and I was wondering, could that be an underrated film? Should we reinvestigate that? I'd be, I'd be totally. That's a, isn't that a Bruce J. Freed? Bruce J. Freed. Yeah, I, yeah, I would be. I'd love that to watch good. that. Yeah. Uh, teachers, which oh, is uh, an interesting movie, uh, because so so the two writers that he that Arthur Hiller collaborated with were uh, Patty Chayefsky and Neil Simon, and if ever. A project called for those two talents to come together. It would have been teachers. Yeah. 
to have a really funny gag written comedy full of actual criticisms of uh, the education system. Uh, that is not the movie that resulted, but God knows I've seen Teachers a thousand times. Yeah. Kick-ass theme then, song, uh, 38 Special. Oh, please, Rockin 38 out. Special. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Outrageous Fortune from 1987, which was a huge hit. And you want to talk about a movie that's just like evaporated. Yeah. Uh, at, just like Ruthless People from 1986. And I was saying like, so momentarily... Bette Midler was like mainstream Hollywood's divine. Yeah, she really Very was. Very briefly for yep. a couple of years in the 80s. Oh, sure. Yeah, down and out in Beverly Hills. Yeah, she was Yeah, she was really inescapable yeah. for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised um, that Outrageous Fortune, though, like, I, I, I would think Shelley Long could get a little... Troop Beverly Hills is a real cult film for the, the young yeah, folks. So, yeah. I, yeah, I'm surprised she hasn't had a little bit more. I mean, more that was for kids. Outrageous Fortune. I remember they were talking about blowjob. Like, that was like Ruthless People. That was sort of a shot right. comedy, as I recall. Right. Um, and then See No Evil, Hear No Evil, which uh, reunited the team from Silver Street, Gene Wilder and Richard Yes, in, in more depressing times. More, (laughs) getting older, getting sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. So W. C. Fields and Me was written by Bob. Wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa! You forgot one of the important Arthur Hiller comedies: Penn and Teller get killed. Oh, how'd you forget that? The the no, no, no. That's not Arthur Hiller. That's Arthur Penn, dude. Oh God, you're right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Forget yeah. it. Oh. All right, but yeah, no. Like we said, with the Sydneys and the Sergios, it, the, the Arthurs, and and not to yeah. mention, yeah. and then the third is Arthur Dudley Moore as Arthur. Those yeah, are the, exactly. those are the big three <laughs> of 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 1980 <laughs> comedy. Yeah. 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 So uh, screenplay by Bob Merrill, who was a Broadway lyricist who wrote the words to uh, to the hits. How much is that doggy in the window? Love that. And, Mambo Italiano. Yeah. And if if I knew you were coming, I'd have baked the cake. That guy had the touch, man. He knew how to make a, really a filthy, did. gross song that would haunt you for your entire life upon one hearing. How much is that? I mean, like he oh, he God. knew how to he oh. he he just had some access to. <laughs> yeah, he really did to just, evil I mean, to pure evil. Chilling. Yes. <laughs> Let alone if I knew you were coming, I'd have baked the cake. Yeah, Ugh. yeah, it's great. And again, these were seventies childhoods. These like pre-rock songs that just haunted you. Yep. All right, so let's talk Rod Steiger now, as the great W. C. Fields. Uh, Steiger, you know, he should be, or certainly I think he finally felt this way, like regarded as one of the great Hollywood actors, the great method actors like the bridge between Bogart and De Niro, but he's not. And I think people genuinely disliked him. I think that's the reason. That's it, yeah. Um, you know, I, he, so he's Charlie Malloy. He's Brando's brother in the back of the car in the, I, you know, I could have been a contender speech in Out of the Waterfront, which is one of my favorite movies. He's in The Porn Broker. And I remember Sidney Lumet talking about how he had to rein him in in The Porn Broker. Mm-hmm. And ultimately saying... Uh, <clears throat> Rod is not a tasteful actor, which is interesting. Okay. Mr. Joy Boy in The Loved One, which is another one of my favorite movies, and I think he's perfectly cast in that. Have you ever seen that? Oh, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I love that. Uh, and then he won the Oscar as the redneck sheriff in, in The Heat of the Night. And from there, he turned down Patton, which he later called the dumbest move of his life. Oh, yeah. Would have been good. But then, you know, hit the skids in the 80s. Uh, 
1987 alone, he was in Catch the Heat, a Brazilian martial arts movie that I want to see now that I read about it. The Kindred, a monster baby movie. An American Gothic, which I always kind of loved, um, and in part because Michael J. Pollard is so unnervingly creepy. <laughs> right. And uh, I saw American Gothic in the theater, and I was kind of blown away by it. I don't know how it holds up, but with all this 80s horror nostalgia, that deserves another look. Sure. We might um, have to do Michael J. Pollard week just to make oh, our just gosh, to just yeah. to chill ourselves to the bone. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> um, so in her New York Times a review of American Gothic, and this sort of sets up, uh, you know, Rod Steiger as the not tasteful actor. Karen James wrote, "Mr. Steiger addresses the camera as if he were reciting Shakespeare. He is truly straightforwardly hilariously bad." <laughs> And I would say the same goes for W.C. Fields. And Again, like Clark Gable, just another, like Brolin is Clark Gable, it's just Steiger walking around doing every line going, hey, I'm W.C. Fields, my little chickadee. Yeah. Yeah, pass the salt, would you? Yeah. I, how was your day? Cut for Daniel. Like every single line, yeah. like... Yeah, yeah, it's 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 weird how it's just so relentless. Like the the idea yeah. that WC Fields spent his entire life talking in the WC Fields comedic persona <laughs> well, voice. And as every critic pointed out, and any human being that starts watching this movie, did he have a stroke? Yeah. Like that's why I mean he's just playing him as a stroke victim out of the side of his mouth. Oh god. Um so Valerie Perrine is Carlotta Monti. Now her previous role was Honey Bruce, who was Lenny Bruce's wife and Lenny. So she was like en route to being typecast as, uh, you know, the romantic partner of, you know, horrible human being comedic geniuses. Um, and, and and really, and you, she, she's in this, Bernadette Peters is in it. Yeah. I got to say, two, Bernadette Peters and Valerie Perrine, to me, two of the just absolutely iconic gorgeous 70s actresses who Best I was attracted to then yeah. and I'm still attracted to now yeah. And no, absolute best embodiment of all this nostalgia <laughs> stuff, all this, the and, absolute best embodiment of and that. maybe the embodiment of what you and I used to call the star baby the star baby <laughs> Bernadette Peters, Valerie Perrine <laughs> two star yeah. babies if I ever saw absolutely them. Yes. And the star baby is in 1930s Hollywood. <laughs> takes There's no way, to explain. way too long to explain, but yes, it's that a, incorporates <laughs> the other two basic female archetypes, you uh, know, of the 70s, universe. of the 70s, yeah, of the 70s, which is the uh, classy lady and the foxy mama. Yes, the classy lady was was the rail thin sissy spacek Shelley Duvall. Right. Uh, what, what's her name? Jean, Jean from Billy Jean Jack. From Billy Jack. Yeah. And the foxy mama yeah. is is a more more Zoftig uh, icon. Uh, Lisa DeLeo from uh, the porn movies. <laughs> sure, Karen Black. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, Rosalie Hotsy Totsy, Deborah Lee. Yes, Scott. right. Yeah, yeah, Pinky Tuscadero. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Um, and oh, and so just as a side, now we're gonna go off a deep end. When Aaron and I talk about like dirty <laughs> bums and filthy aisles, we're gonna have to like put out some kind of primer. Yeah, we're gonna book. have to explain it. Yeah. Just think in terms of WKRP in Cincinnati, which is the, the full canon. It's the full arc at the Pantheon, rather. Because you have Andy Travis is your true gent. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Johnny Fever is your filthy animal. Yes. Uh, then you have Bailey Quarters as the classy lady. Jennifer Marlowe is the foxy mama. 
Venus flytrap is your slick soul, brother. And then the three types of hamburgers. The holy trinity of hamburgers. <laughs> Gordon Jump. <laughs> and, as the big as guy. The big guy. Yeah. Herb Tarlick. And uh, Les Nesman. And Les Nesman, who specifically of the hamburgers, the three hamburgers, who, who are your funny, yeah. lovable, we make fun of these guys, but we love them. Kind of, yes. Yeah. It, and Les Nesman being the hamburger nerd, which is a very specific type nerd. of hamburger. Yeah. And then the hamburger, the Tootie hamburger, is probably is got to be Herb Tarlick. God, who is anyone following this discussion, Mike? Can any? Can, can, we are now just saying words that people are can't possibly put together. Yeah, Rachel will appreciate this. Yes, I don't know if yours will. You, have you explained to yeah. your kids this whole? No, no, not my kids. No, uh, too too yeah. long to. Yeah, they they can't handle yeah. it. Yeah, but. But but just to quickly get back to when we're talking about how bad Please, Steiger yeah. is in this, just 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 doing a, a Fields imitation or just how, you know, ill-suited is the movie. Perrine is also quite bad, I got to say. Yeah. And just yeah. just it, it, it just one note. And yeah, they're they're both Stilted, bad in this movie. You know, yes. And shrill, it's done no favors yeah. by the script, which just makes her the nagging, crying, angry yeah. mistress. Like, oh, boy. Yeah. But you know, utterly devoted. Yes. But but so here's a funny thing. He said uh, this was an IMDb trivia. It said when Rex Reed visited the set, he found uh, Valerie Perrine morose in her trailer. She said Lenny was a fun set. This one isn't. I wish I was back working again with Bobby and Dusty. Oh, <laughs> she was in a bad place. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. And then of course we have Billy Barty as Ludwig. A complete invention of the screenplay doesn't exist in the book or in real life. Didn't did you were you fascinated when Billy Barty's character says in the movie he, he angrily tells someone I am not a midget I'm a little person I yeah. I was fascinated I didn't know that that was a distinction it like uh, the uh, midget being an offensive term I didn't know that was a distinction being made in 1976 even let alone the 30s but obviously accuracy is out the window with this imaginary character well but I, no it definitely was it came about in the 70s which is when you had terms like differently abled and things like that and billy barty was the president of the little people of wow America. that's great so so, so he, he must have pushed that in. campaigned he must have yeah, put he that campaigned in. to change midget and dwarf to little that's person great. in the popular vernacular good for yeah. him so he got it in the movie yeah now and now i now i feel like i told my billy barty night patrol story on the podcast did i you did okay. You did, right. but, but but you know we don't have like fans. That he, are taking Billy notes. Billy Barty. It, it, it was uh, it was in the movie Night Patrol. Uh, w one of the stars of the movie, who I said I wanted to keep anonymous, it told me that Billy Barty he plays the a police sergeant in the movie, and to to goose <laughs> up his scenes because they weren't funny enough, an editor went in and added farts every time he's on the screen. <laughs> And if you watch Night Patrol, you can just stick in Billy Barty Night Patrol on YouTube. You'll see the clip. It is hilarious that they, these. It's it, it's the funniest part of a very funny. Movie. So yes. they didn't tell Billy Barty this though. So this this actor was telling me that he was at the premiere for Night Patrol, and when Billy Barty came on screen and saw that they had added farts to his everything he got up and stormed out of the theater, oh. and uh, and stormed up the aisle and yeah. right out the door. So yeah. So Billy Barty, a a, a warrior, a, a warrior, yeah. guided rescuing his shit. his stolen dignity. Yes, yes. absolutely. And boy, do I wish they had done the same thing in W.C. Fields and me, <laughs> because on so many levels, it would have made the movie more entertaining for me. 
So, so there's no. So the Billy Barty stuff is all made up. The idea of W. C. Fields losing all his money in bad investments was all made up. He was a huge vaudeville star, and then just to said, you know, I'm gonna go be in the movies. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then uh, he did that, and uh, you know, so we get to see some of his his uh, vaudeville act where he is the dentist and there's it's very bawdy where he's like adjusting the woman's breasts with the giant yeah. wrench and stuff and it's horrifying setting floating <laughs> it's, it's a horrifying <laughs> routine of of assault which is basically what we've learned all old vaudeville was was just people assaulting each other buster keaton was just a child who was assaulted by his parents on stage fields assaulted a woman and the audience roared in the good old vaudeville oh, days. please yeah, well, Harpo Marx is a serial rapist. <laughs> yes, the lovable yeah. serial Oh, the, the vaudeville days. <laughs> so Billy Barney, I want to point out, I didn't hear a German accent at the beginning of the movie, but he definitely <laughs> develops one along the way. Sure. Yeah, that's um, true. And then, so so Steiger is doing his imitation, and what I like is, like, the little character notes where he just does the asides. So, like, he, a dog comes up. He's like, get out of here, dog. And then he goes, I must still carry the scent of hobo. Dogs smell it every time. <laughs> and, uh, and then later he's like, well, all those years of starving and freezing. Now I live in a big mansion. Oh, <laughs> God. oh and we should acknowledge the unbelievable. As, the, as Billy Barty and W.C. Fields are traveling... They stop at the gas station. They get a flat tire. The silhouette shot of Fields lifting Billy Barty to pee in the uh, <laughs> urinal. <laughs> yes. What he calls a shower, we we big people call a urinal. <laughs> That's a reference to a Mad Magazine joke we were talking about with Gary Coleman. Yes. In, yes. On the right track, yes. <laughs> yes. Living in a bus station. So that um, should have been the poster, uh, that silhouette with the P, <laughs> the stream of P, WC Fields and me. Wouldn't that have been a great poster? And the tagline should have been <laughs> what he calls a shower. <laughs> yeah, we call it urinal. So, all right. Um, and then, you know, Billy Barney, and then they go to Hollywood, they run the little like boardwalk stand. Again, like. As funny as the silhouette is the loving scene of Fields running with Billy Barney on his shoulders, singing by the sea and swinging oh, around God. in the water. Uh, and then when they're going to part, where he's like, I got to go make pictures. He's like, uh, be careful. Don't go in the water without me. How were, how were adults sitting through this in a movie theater? <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, Both these movies. Can you imagine no, seeing them in theaters? No, I can't. God. No, I can't. And it's like, okay, so this is where the cocaine started infiltrating. I was thinking about that because I attempted to watch Wonton Ton, the dog who saved Hollywood recently. And it's so boring. It's so disconnected. And I was like, that, that, this is just what people were, uh, the, the, you know, the wheels were starting to come. Well, it's off. funny you say that because I did find that I was looking this movie up on, a, I think it was on the blog, um, Every 70s Movie, which is a great yeah, blog. Yes. I love it. Great blog. I love it. And there was like, yeah. did you see, there was a, a comment in the comment section. I love this. Like an anonymous commenter said of, of W.C. Fields and me, this cracked me up. He said, I recently had it confirmed to me that this movie was ruined by cocaine. 
So, so <laughs> I didn't see so that. So I'd I, I don't know who this commenter yeah. was, but, but I love that somewhere they got confirmation. Yes, cocaine ruined WC Fields. So so was it Steiger? Do you think is the implication there? Who or is I, I'd love to know what the story is behind that scurrilous no, anonymous no, I comment. Just, I, I'm sure it was everyone involved in the movie. Yeah, and you just and again the production design is so incredible and. I was thinking about that just now as we were talking, and I'll tell you the reason why versus like Hollywood where they have the old, you know, the uh, contemporary signs up around the studio lot. There were no shortcuts back then. There was no fixing it in post. Right. Visually. This And this was, yeah, right. You had to physically build all these sets so the detail could be, had to be attended to to look right. And, and this was like we were saying the early Stan Winston makeup job, the WC Fields, and it, it is amazing that he made that bulbous nose to put on Steiger, the the field's yeah. nose that could also facilitate the cocaine use. That that he crafted it <laughs> with a careful vacuum it. tube. That, yes, that he could. <laughs> yeah, right. Constant supply. I, I gotta say, in close, the nose looks good. It's yeah, a pretty flawless makeup job. Yeah, Stan Winston. Yeah, the guy knew what he was doing. Yeah. yeah. The, and the, so, and again, the whole movie looks good. The, everything yeah, it yeah, looks great yeah, that's the other yeah. thing that like like what's gable and lombard are sitting there going this looks so good and it's so bad this is such a professionally made film with yeah. total pros <laughs> like like edith head and and this great yeah. henry mancini score and it's just such a bad script it's crazy yeah so <laughs> so we we got to talk about his friends so basically uh, the middle part of the movie and one thing i want to say about both these movies it seemed like there were three scenes that just got played over and over again for two plus hours. Yeah. So one of these scenes is where like uh, WC and his pals just get drunk at his house. So you have Jack Cassidy as John Barrymore, which is incredible. Uh, Alan Arbus is comedy director Gregory Lacava. I love Alan Milt Arbus. Kamen, he's the best. He is so, so fun. Uh, as restaurateur uh, Chasen. Um, from Chasen's Delicatessen, Louis Zurich as writer Gene Fowler. And they just, but they don't even play drunk well. No, the, no. Uh, you know, I mean, there's the scene where Fields is like lying on his back on the pool table. And uh, yeah, they just, if they take 10 minutes to set this up, like Jack Cassie's going to shoot the cue ball into his balls. <laughs> and it's like, oh, you got me. <laughs> uh, right in W.C. Fields' balls. <laughs> <laughs> And then Perrine shows up and she wants to be, she's looking for a movie part. They humiliate her all day. Jack, Cat, uh, John Barrymore assaults her. And then uh, afterwards, he was like, why don't you move in here? Be my secretary. And he calls her Chinaman. Yeah, yeah. Because, well, because she was at like Latina. a rap party. No, no, she was dressed as a Chinese chorus girl singing a song at a rap party. Right. Yeah, right. Initially. Yes. I, I but I I did think it was amazing like that she is playing this Latina woman, it, you right. know it's the old thing of like she's not a Latina actress but also there's right. no attempt to convey that yeah, it is, yeah it's no weird. no no yeah nor to convey that she was a a Chinaman yes <laughs> yes and uh, he says so your first job each day is to take dictation of my PPs. My poison pen letters. <laughs> so, apparently, he wrote every day to the IRS, Eleanor Roosevelt, and all religious institutions. And and then later, he socks it again to Eleanor Roosevelt. Yeah, 
hates her. And she's like a superhero. Like she's like what contemporary Hollywood thinks of as you know RBG is in the uh, Ryan Murphy Hollywood. I don't know if you've gotten uh, to her. No, yet. no, no, no. But that makes sense. That, that doesn't surprise. And me. she's got a, a hairdo like Gary Oldman and Dracula. It's unmistakable. And Andy hates Charlie Chaplin. Charlie Chaplin yeah. makes him yeah. sick. Makes him physically ill. Makes him Ill. physically yes. ill. Yeah, he can't go on a theme. Like, like, like he does scene, to you know. and me. It's, it's funny. That's <laughs> 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 true. Except when Natalie dressed up as Charlie well, Chaplin on the uh, Facts of Life. That, that very special self-defense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I wrote about that episode for uh, Lee Gambin's upcoming book on very special episodes. Oh, that's great. I wrote four uh, Facts of Life episodes. So anyway, shout out to the great Lee Gambin. Um, so, and you know, the, the movie, it's just, it's ludicrous, the whole thing. Yeah. And, uh, again, I, I essentially loved watching it. So, yeah. So it's a Hollywood for me. And another Hollywood for me. <laughs> thought, thought both <laughs> these movies stunk. Maybe I was just in a bad mood. I have to say, <laughs> I, I probably was too, but they put me in a good mood. That's good. I'm glad. I'm happy for you. I'm glad for you. Thanks. thanks. Oh, that's always, that's, that's like one of the great, like, backhanded compliments i'm happy for you. yeah yeah oh I, I also just quickly enjoyed seeing actor uh john marley in in this too oh uh, yeah, yeah. yeah you know i always i always remember him when the great sctv which you and i talked about did their godfather yes. parody and he yeah. and he plays leonard bernstein in it inexplicably do you remember that and wakes <laughs> yes, up course, with the horse yeah. in his bed with guy cabaret yeah, yeah it's yeah. so he's it's so yeah. funny and so good yeah so i i, I just liked seeing him in this and well, being I, reminded and he is the guy he is the movie producer in the godfather who wakes up with the horse's head in his bed yes so. but in but it's leonard bernstein in uh in that SCTV SCTV godfather parody has where floyd the barber goes to visit oh him. it's great like, i think about like i lose my mind laughing it's, still with it's a classic floyd wants like opium some thugs broke his barber pole yeah. so he wants revenge it's great <laughs> and guy cavallero says to him i will grant you this favor but i will ask for a favor in return i may ask you to lay down your life for me or i may just ask for a cut and a trim <laughs> i don't know <laughs> so funny and then he gets assassinated, and he jumps out of the wheelchair at the newsstand. He goes, "Hey, you got any mad?" And he cracked. <laughs> oh man! So I uh, I did find some uh, reviews that are pretty good. Judith Christ said, "On screen, Steiger comes out wearing a secondhand wearing as a wearying secondhand Rich Little or potato chip commercial. He looks like Van Johnson decked out with a clown clown nose." Uh, Penelope Gelat. In the New Yorker said, Steiger's mouth is so immobilizingly twisted, you would think Fields began his working life after he had a stroke. The movie is best approached with a pair of tongs. I would agree with all that. Sure. And uh, Vincent Camby, who I want to say the best line in any review of Gable and Lombard, he says, uh, when James Brolin is, uh, he goes, he doesn't act. He's doing an imitation of of Clark Gable. And you wonder if he can also do Jimmy Cagney or Edward G. Robinson. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what he's exactly. doing. Again, other other things that kids would do when we were oh god, we were oh god, yeah. yeah. And then okay, so uh, and then Vincent Camby, I think this is just uh, this will be such a note to go out on. W. C. Fields and Me is a dreary exhibition of incompetence, beside which the recent Gable and Lombard becomes one of the towering achievements of world cinema. Uh, yeah, yeah, all all pretty spot on. So. Two woods for me, two woofs for Aaron. 
Yeah. Uh, we'll be we'll be back next week. Um, we have a couple of things in the pipeline. Uh, we have a special guest potentially. Yeah. Uh, and then we have what well, we should say Ben Reiser is also a special guest. We got him, and then. Um, what did I send you last night? Oh, <laughs> the Bob Dylan movie Hearts of Fire and the Mick Jagger movie Running Out of Luck. I think we got to do that as a double feature. I like that. Uh, that's, a, that's a leathery double feature right there. <laughs> Get out your leather polish for that one. Oh, man. All right. So uh, I don't know who says it this time. You, I, you uh, do it. You do it. I think I did okay. it last time. Yeah. So until next time, crack or get off the pot. Thanks, Mike. All right. Fabulous. Thank you.